Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stand with me this morning. Could we pray together? Father, we come to you today. We're asking you to speak to our hearts. We're wanting the move of the Holy Spirit in our life. We already feel the presence of your divine Holy Spirit with us. And God, today, let your word accomplish what you send it to do. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' holy name, amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. Last year, 2020, Allison Dole shared uh, an article what kids believe are dream jobs. And uh, I don't know if you've ever had a dream job or not, but uh, maybe some of you are dreaming about having a job. But here, here are the dream jobs that kids said that they want to be when they grow up to the top 15, no particular order, a dancer. Uh, you know, some of these are a little different for me. Uh, actor, musician slash singer, teacher, scientist, athlete. You know, a lot of people want to be uh, NBA stars, uh, baseball, football, uh, firefighter, detective, writer, police officer, astronaut, pilot, veterinarian, lawyer, doctor. So there's the top 15. I think it's changed a little bit since I was a kid. How many of you know you just wanted to grow up? And, uh, you know, when you have a baby, you're thinking about all these things you want the baby to aspire to when it gets older. When they get to be teenagers, you just hope they leave home or something. But uh, that's really not true. I, I, I didn't mean that. But I want to give you two verses today that uh, are, they may be familiar to you, maybe not. Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Now, the next one is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, when I read these scriptures, there are certain things that really stand out to me that are outstanding to me. And the first one is this. God thinks about me. Do you know what God thinks about you? Uh, how many of you today have thought about maybe your husband or your wife? And I'm not thinking about uh, bad thoughts, but just thoughts. Uh, how many of you have thought about your kids or your grandkids today? Uh, if, if that's true with you, how many of you know it's more true with God? God thinks about his kids. And, and he not only thinks about you, but he thinks good thoughts about you and I. So God thinks good thoughts about us. And you may be here today and think God is your enemy. That is not true. Uh, God wants to love you. He wants to be your father. He wants to think good things about you. And the third thing here, he wants to give me a great future full of hope. Now, I, I'm not coming up with these on my own. This is the word of God. God wants to give you a great future full of hope. God wants you to succeed. Now, the, the fifth, uh, fourth thing here is that God created me and prepared me to do good works and good things. How many of you know God wants you to do good things in your life? He wants you to do good works in your life. And then the last thing, he wants me to walk in those good works and I should walk in them, but I could choose either to do that or not do that. The, the choice is mine, the choice is yours. So we have a choice to live and walk in his way, or we don't have to do that, but he wants us to do that. Now those five observations should tell us that God loves you, he cares about you, and you are extremely special. 
Uh, out of the billions of people who have ever been born, no one has your thumbprint, no one has your eye print. You are a unique you. You were born an original. Don't die a copy. So you are very, very unique. Now, how special are you? Now, I want to answer that question. Some people say the odds of you being born is 400 trillion to one. You say, wow, I am special, aren't I? 400 and trillion to one. So, so how do you calculate that? I mean, how do these guys come up with these numbers? Well, let me give you a little inkling. Uh, of all the wars that have ever happened on the earth, of all of the diseases, the famines, the pestilence, all the disasters, your family survived those. Isn't that amazing? Uh, of all the people who could have hooked up together, your mother and your father saw each other. The spirit of hubba hubba got all over them. And, and they connected. And not only your mother and father, but, but think about this. Your grandparents connected. Your great-grandparents connected. And your great-great-grandparents connected. How many of you know there's a lot of variables to this equation? And when you were conceived, you outswam eight. 100 million, maybe uh, 80 million to win the race to become you. I'll leave it there, but I'm just saying, you are very unique. And in spite of that, one-third of all Americans feel like that they don't matter. They're not happy with their life. And uh, that's over 100 million people. So if we're that unique, if, if, if we are one in 400 tree and the odds of you being you today, then should we think we're special? Should we think that God cares for us and loves for us? And should we think that God has a dream for you? And the answer is yes. God has a dream for you. He has plans for you. Not that I say that. That's what the Word of God says. So, so the good news is, if you don't like who you are today, you can change. If you don't like the negativity in your life, you can change that. Matter of fact... You can even be born again and start over. You, you can be a new you. you. You can live a transformational life. I mean, if you are an old caterpillar, how many of you know you can become a beautiful butterfly? So this is what the Word of God tells us, that this whole transformation thing, a new you, is possible through Jesus Christ. Now, uh, has this ever come up, and I'm sure everybody's going to agree with this, some of you may not, and maybe you've never seen this. Ha have you ever seen this come up on your phone, your computer, or your iPad? It's going to say, a new update is available. And you can either skip it, uh, remind me later, or I could do it right now. So could there be an update in your life that you can click on and say, I'd like the new version of me? Now, you can do it later, but how many of you know you're not guaranteed tomorrow? So you might want to do it today. So I want you to think about this. Can I do this, and I must agree to the terms? I must agree to the terms of the condition. So if I'm going to have the upgrade, I have to agree to the terms. Okay, I'm going somewhere with this. God can upgrade your life, but you must agree to his terms. It's not on your terms, it's on his terms. So can I agree to the terms of the conditions for the upgrade? So I click yes, or I can decline, or I can say later, but how many of you know things happen in the future? So can I upgrade my life? The answer is yes. And God has a history of doing that.
Did you know God's done it over and over and over again? You, you remember a couple in the Bible by the name of Abram and Sarai? So they're, they're living in a, in a strange land with idolaters, and God comes along and says, Abram, Sarai, I'd like to upgrade your life. If you will consent to my conditions, I'm going to upgrade your life, and I'm going to do something with you you could never do by yourself. But if you agree to that, then I'm going to take you, Abram, and I'm going to upgrade you to Abraham, and I'm going to take you, Sarai, and I'm going to upgrade you to Sarah. So they had to commit to the conditions of what God had, and they had to leave their country. They had to get out of idolatry. They had to leave their family. How many of you know there's some people you need to detach from? Okay, let me speak to this group over here. There's some people you need to detach from to live the dream that God has for you. How would you like to start your life over when you're 75 and 65? I don't know. You know, some of us are pretty set in our ways, right, at uh, 75, 65? Uh, it couldn't be you, maybe somebody else. But here, Abram, his name means father, and he has no children. God wants to upgrade him to Abraham, which means father of many. And now Abram's saying, well, listen, I, I need to let you know something, God. I, I, I appreciate the upgrade. I, I know my name means father. Abraham means father of many. I don't even have any kids. But God is saying, if you trust me, if you follow me, I'm going to upgrade you. I'm going to upgrade Sarai to Sarah, and the world's going to be changed by your life. And this doesn't stop there. You remember a guy by the name of Jacob? Now, Jacob, we know, uh, had a sibling that they're struggling in that. And there's some deception that goes on for birthright and blessing. And him and Esau get into conflict. There, there's a lot of shenanigans going on there. His mother helps him with the deception. It is so tense in that family, he has to separate and leave. His mother says, you need to leave because uh, Esau has vowed to kill you. How many of you know I would probably leave? If someone says, I'm going to kill you, maybe not be your best day. So he goes and he leaves. But somewhere in the mix, somewhere in the, in the middle of the story, God is going to upgrade Jacob. He's not going to be known as the deceiver. So when he comes back home, then there's a night when he tries to move back into the land and get reattached to the family He's wondering if his brother's going to keep his vow to kill him. And one night in the darkness when he's out by himself, there is a stranger, if you will, that comes into the camp when he's all alone. And I think that Jacob thought it was his brother Esau or one of his men, and he was going to take his life. Let me tell you what ensues. There's a struggle. There's a wrestling match. And this is not someone who has come to destroy him, but it's someone who's come to bless him. It's the angel of the Lord. Now, your interpretation of that may be yours, but I'm just telling you, the Lord showed up to bless him. And he wrestles all night. And he figures out somewhere along the way, this is not for my harm, but this is for my blessing. And this is what he says, I'm not going to let go of you. I'm not going to release you until you bless me. How many of you know sometimes you just got to hold on to your blessing? you got to get a hold of that. And I love the word of the Lord. No longer will I call you Jacob. I'm going to change your name to Israel because you're a prince with God now. Isn't that a wonderful upgrade? 
So th th this goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on. Then we come to a, a young boy by the name of David. His family doesn't even think when the prophet Samuel comes to Jesse's house, his father doesn't even think that he is even uh, worthy or even uh, considered to be the candidate for the new king because Samuel goes to the house of Jesse. He's there to anoint a king. There's eight brothers there. The others show up. They don't even call David to the king audition. You know how they view him? He's the little snotty kid. He, he, he's the strapping young teenager. He's keeping the sheep. We're not even going to ask him to come to this audition. And then when the Lord doesn't select any of the others, he turns to Jesse, the father, and says, Do you have any more sons? He said, oh, yeah, we got one more. Didn't call him. He's out keeping the sheep. He said, I'm not going to sit down until you call him. And when David walks in, God says, there's my guy right there. I don't look at a man as a man looks at a man. I look on his heart. So you know what he did? When they other, the others saw him as a young teenager, as just a shepherd, God saw king right there. And what happened? He upgraded his life. He, he went from here to there. You see, there are dreams in your life and my my life that God can take you from here to there and we have to believe that we have to get a hold of that sometimes we wrestle with it like a Jacob and sometimes we're on the outside looking in like a David but God reaches out in his mercy and love and he brings us in to the dream and he can do that for you and he can do that for me you know uh, this goes on in the New Testament too how many of you heard this uh, name Simon Barjona say that with me Simon Bar-Jonah. You know who that is? That is Jonah's son. That's what the verbiage means, the son of Jonah. And th this is the scripture I want to get to. This is Matthew chapter 16, verse 17. Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now let's stop there. What's the setting? Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, Who do men say that I am? And they respond. Some say you're Elias. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're one of the prophets. But who do you say that I am? And Peter, Simon Bar-Jonah, speaks up. And he says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So that's when Jesus said, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So what's he saying? You have given the revelation of who I am. I'm going to build the church on who I am, that revelation. And by the way, Simon Barjona, I'm going to start calling you Peter now because before you were just a flake, now you're a rock. How many of you know any flaky people? Do you remember Peter before this, this, this transformation in Acts 2? He would say things he shouldn't say. He would put his foot in his mouth. He would cut people's ears off. Jesus had to reattach him. He, I mean, he would deny he even knew Jesus. But by Acts 2, this Simon Barjona, who now is called Peter, went to the front of the class, if you will, stood on the streets of Jerusalem, preached a powerful message, the first one recorded in the early church. 3,000 people get saved. This guy has been upgraded. And let me tell you what God can do. No matter where you are today, God can take you here and move you there because that's what God does. He has a dream for you. He, he has things in his mind he's thinking about you. 
And he says, I can give you a future and a hope and an expected end because that is my dream for you. Now, my dream may be different from yours, but I want to, to say we're all a part of the body of Christ and the Lord can use every one of us. Absolutely every one of us. Remember this guy by the name of Saul of Tarsus who later became the Apostle Paul? Th this guy who was a persecutor, threw people into prison, consented to their death, and on the road to Damascus, God gets his attention. Jesus speaks to him, and he says, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks, the goads. It's hard for you to fight against God. And he is upgraded to the Apostle Paul, wrote about two-thirds of your New Testament. God is doing this over and over and over. God not only sees what we are, but he sees what we can become. He sees the potential. He sees the purpose in everybody here. And we can become what God wants us to become. Ed Milet, I heard him say this, I don't want at the end of my life to meet the version of the person I could have been. Let me say that again. I don't want at the end of my life to meet the person, the version of who I could be. And, and let me add to this. This is my thought, and I don't want at the end of my life to see what I could have done. So now, the responsibility is for me to press into God, to lean into God, to say, God, what, what dream do you have for me? What purpose, what power, what can I do that I can become what you want me to be? So, how do I pursue the God dream that could be mine? How do I press into that? Let me give you three ways, so the sermon's now just starting officially. Are you ready? How in the world can people like us follow the dream of God? How can you young people, how can us older people, how can anybody lean in to the vision and the dream that God has for you? Here's number one. We talked about it, but I want to just stress it. I have to accept the terms. And I have to accept his terms. Now, what does that mean, I have to accept his terms? Now I submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I am not in control anymore. And just a side note, just for the thought that you thought you were in control, can I burst your bubble a little bit here today? How many of you will love me if I say this? Okay, about 10 people will love me. Sometimes we think we're in control, and we're really not in control. So I have to submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? I get off the throne. I, I, I'm not the boss. I'm not the one who directs everything. I have to lean into the lordship and realize that the terms are his terms. I'm fallen. I'm sinful. I must repent. I must come to Christ. I must look at the cross, I have to look at the resurrection and say, I believe, I receive, this is who I am, would you upgrade me, would you have me be born again so I can be transformed by your power? And that's what everyone has to do. It is his terms. It is walking in the grace and the love of God, it's forsaking our past, living in obedience, and walking by faith. Now, I want to say something here. I'm a little concerned in our world today, a lot of people throw a lot of things around. How many of you know that is absolutely true? You ever had someone say, well, I'm a believer, 
but their walk does not match their confession. So if I'm going to be in the dream of God, if I'm going to walk in the way of God, I have to, I have to accept his conditions. I, I, I can't say, well, th- this is what I think. So some people can separate that very, very well, can't they? Well, I'm a believer. Yeah, I love the Lord. I'm following the Lord. But over here, you look at their life and you think, no, you're not. Now, with that being said, nobody's perfect. I'm not going to say you're never going to sin again because chances are you very well might, right? But it's not that I'm living in sin. Romans chapter 6, this is what Paul said about grace. He said, if I think I can continue in sin because I'm in grace, he said, God forbid that you would even think that. And it doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you're not going to make mistakes. But at least we're pressing into the mark, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We're looking to that. We're walking in that. We're striving for that. But it's going to be in his conditions. It's going to be his ways. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. For you were bought at a price, or you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, do you see two things there? Your body and your spirit. They kind of go hand in hand, don't they? Without the spirit, your body's going to struggle. Matter of fact, your body's going to be upgraded to heaven. But he said, it's not just your spirit that I need the terms for. It's your body too. You need to live this out. This needs to be an everything day thing. It, it can't be just a Sunday morning church thing. Can I hear an amen to that? It's got to be, this is the way I live on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and also Sunday. And what we do on Sunday, we come in here to worship and praise and get recharged so we can go out in the world and live this every day. And so, what are we doing? We're saying, Lord, this is going to be on your terms. You know what the theme song of hell's going to be? I did it my way. I did it my way. Yeah, you did, and you're in hell. I mean, you know, it's going to be his way. He is the way. So I have to realize it's going to be on his terms. Here, here's the second thing. The second way that I live in the dream of God, live out what God has for me, I have to get planted in the right place. Say that with me. I have to get planted in the right place. Now let's all say it. Here we go. I have to get planted in the right place. Uh, Psalm chapter 92, verses 12, 13, 14. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. They shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. How many of you know fresh and flourishing is better than old and withering? So so how do I always stay fresh and flourishing? It is dependent on where you're planted. Look at verse 13, please. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. Aren't you glad you're in the house of the Lord today? Now, tomorrow, I mean, you're going to have to go back to work. Your your life uh, is uh, continuing, but you're still in the presence of the Lord. And we're going to come back and get recharged. Maybe you can't come next week or the next week. But how many know we need to make a habit to be here to worship together or, or connect online or ever how we're going to connect? It is very important that we're planted in the house of the Lord. If you're a realtor, this is what you know about houses about businesses it's location 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 
Correct? Now, let me tell you something about this dream and you and I. It's location, location, location. When the Lord gave us in Matthew 13 this parable of the seed and the sower, it's probably one of the best remembered parables in the Bible, in the New Testament. Matter of fact, that whole chapter is parable after parable, and it begins this way. So Jesus begins to say, a sower went out to sow. Now, it didn't say he got on the tractor and filled up the grain drill and went out into the field. So let's get the setting here. In that day and time when they sowed grain, whether it be rye, barley, wheat, whatever it is, so they would till up the ground, the sower would take the seed, and he would broadcast it, or he would throw it. You with me? So that's the way they sowed seed. And now he gives us four locations that the seed is going to fall on. Now, your attention, please. There's nothing wrong with the sower. There's nothing wrong with the seed. Each one of those seed has the same potential no matter what location they fell on. So as he develops this parable, he's sharing it with this crowd. He says, some seed fell by the wayside or the pathway. Now, what is that? That's the roadway beside the field. It's the pathway beside the field. And if you've ever been on the road or the pathway, it is packed, it is hard, and the seed doesn't go down into the soil. It lays on the top, and this is what Jesus said. He said, and the fowls of the air, the birds will come, and they will pluck up the seed that they can see on that pathway or that roadway. Because they can't get into the ground to germinate. And then he gives us a little indication of what that means. He said, the word is going to go forth. The word is the seed. And if you don't watch it, the devil will come and pluck it right out of your heart. You'll hear it, but you won't receive it because the enemy will come and say things like this. Do you really believe that? I mean, that's just fables. That's just stories. Surely you don't believe that. Surely you don't go to church. Surely you're not in a youth group. Surely you don't worship because that's just archaic fables and stories. But then here's the second place. Some of the seed fell on stony ground or rocky ground and that seed germinated, but because the soil was so rocky and there were stones there, it couldn't get any roots. And when the sun came out, the plants withered and died, and Jesus said, that's persecution. Do you know there's all types of persecution? Even to the point where people are martyred for their faith, that's extreme persecution. It's happening today, all over the world. And then there's other persecutions that maybe you face in junior high or high school or on your job. People can make fun of you. They can joke about you. They can say, what a fool you are. How many of you, that's a little bit of persecution. And uh, you you can give in to that and you can wither and die. And, And here's another place. The seed fell among thorns and weeds. The seed sprung up, but because it was surrounded by thorns and weeds, They overtook it and choked it out, took the nutrients, took the moisture, took the sunlight, and then it never really amounted much to anything. And then Jesus says, that is the cares of this world. Let me tell you, every person in here today had something else to do, including me. You could have been somewhere else. You could have been in recreation. You could have been at a ball game. You could have been at work or whatever. And let me tell you, this is something our generation has to struggle with is making God a priority. 
Now, let me say something about the first three locations of the seed. None of them were fruitful. None of them were fruitful. But then he says, the fourth one, he said, some seed fell on good ground and it brought forth 30, 60, and 100 fold. How many of you know that's where we want to get? So in this story, in this parable, every one of these is predicated what? On location. It's location, 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 location. The location of the seed made a difference whether it survived or whether it was fruitful. Now, let me ask you a question. Where are you planted? Where are you planted? Where am I planted? Here's another way to put it. Who are you hanging out with? Oh, he's getting personal now. Who are you hanging out with? You've heard this for years. You're going to be the sum average of the five people you hang out with the most. Some of you need a new location. Some of you need a new group. Well, you know, I struggle with drugs. Well, quit hanging around people who do drugs. Well, you know, I have trouble with alcohol. Well, quit hanging around people who party and drink. But this is so deep, isn't it? And as deep as this is, some people don't get it. So we have to realize we may have to reposition ourselves. Now, what does it mean? It means that I, I got to stay away from the pathway. I got to stay away from the, uh, the road. I, I've got to stay away from the rocks and the stones. I've got to stay away from the weeds and the thorns. And I got to find me some good ground to be on. And listen, I need to be in a good church. I need to be somewhere where they still believe in the miracle working power of God. I need to be somewhere where they still believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I need to be somewhere where they believe you can be filled with the power of God through the Holy Spirit coming into your life and residing inside of you. So location is very, very important. Because if you don't have the right location, you may not get to the right destination. And uh, that, that's pretty supreme. So I have to realize that's got to be a priority. Now here's the third and the last thing. Don't limit yourself. Say that with me. Don't limit yourself. Because there's this thing about doubt and faith. And if I live in doubt, it's going to be hard for me to get a hold of the dream of God that he has for me. But if I live in faith, how many of you know it's more possible for me to walk in that? So I have to realize I've got to stay in faith. When Moses is trying to get to the promised land and bring all the people with him because he's the leader, God said something to Moses. He said, I want you to spy out the land. So he, he got the 12 spies representing the 12 tribes, and they went out. They're gone for a period of time. They're looking. They're observing. They're going to different places there in the promised land. And they come back, and there's two opposite reports. You know this. One group, which is the majority, said, we cannot take this land. There are giants over there. There's walled cities. We look like grasshoppers in their sight and in our sight. We have no faith that we can take this land. But there's another report, Joshua and Caleb. We are well able to take this land. We can do this. If God promised it, we can do it. That's walking in faith. So I don't care who you are. You may say, well, pastor, I'm here. I'm struggling. I've got this problem and that problem. Listen, th th this is life, isn't it? But what I'm saying, you can move out of that. God has a dream for you, and you can get out of that and get over here. God won't force you, but he'll urge you. Yeah. 
He'll lead you. He'll love you. But you have to make the decision, I'm not going to go there or stay there. Because if you do, you're going to shortchange your life. And the enemy has a real easy way sometimes, a seductive way to tell you how great it is for you to be here. But God is telling you, your potential's over here. Remember when the Syrians surrounded the city of Samaria and they uh, besieged the city. They're there for weeks after weeks and it's not long. There's no food left. They've eaten everything. Walmart is empty. No delivery trucks going through the gates. It is so bad that people have resorted to cannibalism. They're eating their own children. Isn't that just beyond our imagination? But it's true. It's what the Word says. And then Elisha the prophet steps up and says, Tomorrow at this time, there'll be plenty of food. And one of the king's officials, one of the advisors of the king said, If God can make windows in heaven, that might be so, but he can't. How many of you know I'd rather believe that God can than he can't? Remember the story of the four lepers who are at the gate? They're diseased, they're unclean, nobody wants them inside the gate. The, the Syrians are out here, and they're in between. Sometimes we get caught in between. Um, caught between a rock and a hard place. That, that's these guys. And they said, listen, we're going to die if we sit out here. Let's go to the Syrian camp. Maybe they'll have mercy on us. And, and they go, and what they find is astonishing. Because what God did before they got to the camp, God sent a noise. He, he, sent, a, he sent a message, if you will. They heard the sound of chariots and, and warriors and, and armies, and they thought that the, Samar the, 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 the town of Samaria and the king of Samaria and northern Israel had hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to come and attack them to get them out of their uh, situation, and they ran for their life. And when they ran, they left all their food and gold and silver and Rolex watches, and I mean, all the stuff is left. I mean, they got out of Dodge. And when those uh, lepers got into that camp, there was food everywhere. There was gold. There was silver. Uh, there was all kind of uh, raiment and, you know, nice suits, the kind I don't wear. But, uh, I mean, a lot of great stuff there. And then they said, we're, we're doing ourselves a, a service because people are starving inside the city. We need to go tell them that there's plenty here in the camp of the Syrians. They're all gone. And you know what happened to the guy who said, I, I don't believe God can do it? There was such a rush to the food, he got trampled and he died. Listen, I don't want to get in the trampling. I want to keep believing God. And you say, well, pastor, sometimes I believe God, but it doesn't turn out the way I want. That's true. But sometimes God just upgraded ways that we don't understand. And, and, and that's true for you and me. So we don't want to limit God. And in each one of these accounts, we see that people limited God. Listen, I don't want to limit our church. I don't want to limit our mission. I don't want to limit your life, your family, your marriage. And you may be here today and say, well, you don't understand. I've made a wreck out of this. Well, let me tell you, God can restore wrecks. Look at the person next to you. A lot of us were wrecks. I mean, I can tell you so many things about my life that you would not believe. But let me tell you, that's why I don't want to limit believing what God can do 
in dreaming about what you can become. Because God can do that. And you may be here today and say, well, I just don't know. Listen, I'm telling you, step up your belief because God can upgrade your life. He's done it throughout Scripture. Abram, you're going to be called Abraham now. Sarai, it's Sarah. Jacob, it's Israel. You're a prince. David, you're not just a shepherd boy. You're a king. Simon Barjona, I know you stumble and fumble and you deny me, but I'm going to make you a rock in this church. Saul, I know you've persecuted Christians and you consented to their death and you put them in prison, but I'm going to change your life and you're going to write two-thirds of the New Testament. You're going to be my apostle. I know you feel like you're not worthy, but that's who I'm going to make you. And listen, my friend, God's going to make you a great person because that's his desire and dream for you. You say, well, you're just up here placating me and trying to make me feel good. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to make you feel good. Because God says, I know the thoughts I think towards you. God has a dream for you. And the devil has a dream for you. But it turns into a nightmare. It turns into a nightmare. Because this is what happened. So many people's lives... This is where the fun is. This is where the fame is. This is where the friends are. This is where it's at. And all of a sudden at the end, it becomes a nightmare. I mean, you know, there's a real heaven and there's a real hell. There's a God Almighty and there's an enemy we call Satan or Lucifer or the devil. And both of them want you. Both of them want you. So I'm here to tell you, choose God. He has a dream for you. He has a hope for you. He has plans for you. He has an ending for you that's out of this world forever and ever and ever. Believe the dream, shun the nightmare. But when he shows you the nightmare, it never begins as a nightmare. It begins as a dream. It ends up as a nightmare. Bow your head with me this morning. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.